Do you have any idea how many security patches go out across the internet on a daily basis? Now imagine you had to get a government approval before you push that patch. Just wait till you hear what the UK is trying to do. I'm Matt Johansson, welcome to Vulnerable You. This is the show where we have feelings about what's going on in cybersecurity. And boy, do I have some feelings about this first story. The UK is planning updates to the legislature that actually governs the surveillance of electronic communications aka spying on its citizens. One of the objectives within this plan details the obligation for companies to notify the government before introducing any technical changes to their systems. You know, changes like security updates, the things that fix vulnerabilities in our devices and ensure our security. Limitations on security updates could have serious real-world consequences. Never mind critical infrastructure, this is including lives lost. This isn't hyperbole. Certain people's identities are actually putting their lives at risk for cyber attacks if they are to remain vulnerable for a period of time. This is absolutely ridiculous. According to the article from Just Secure, device manufacturers would likely also have to notify the government before making available important security updates that fix known vulnerabilities and keep devices secure. Accordingly, the Secretary of State, upon receiving such an advance notice, could now request operators to, for instance, abstain from patching security gaps to allow the government to maintain access for surveillance purposes. I just don't see this happening. If it does, there's gonna be some major backlash. GDPR has been hard enough to maintain all the new corporate standards that come with that. I can't imagine having to get a government rubber stamp before you push a security fix. As an industry, we're driving our time to fix vulnerabilities down to minutes and hours, not up to days and weeks to just allow the government to continue spying on us. I'm gonna keep a close eye on this one. I'll let you know what I find. The channel has grown a lot recently. I appreciate all the support. If you're new here, please leave a like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications, share with your friends, anything you can do to help support the channel as we're getting started. Let us know what you think of this new format. We appreciate all the help. Holy crap. If this one doesn't make your gut sink to the ocean floor, I don't know what will. This next story is a worst case nightmare scenario. Cloud Nordic and Azero Cloud, both major Danish hosting providers, were hit with ransomware this week. And let me tell you, timing is everything. The ransomware attack hit during some sort of database migration, which meant that the backups were on the same network as the prod databases. You heard me, backups were hit too. This means everything, all of it, was encrypted by ransomware and not available to any of the customers. I can honestly cry just thinking about it. Could you imagine waking up and your hosting provider just said, hey, you're SOL? Domains, emails, documents, databases, all gone forever. They're telling their customers, sorry, you're out of luck. We're not paying the ransom. You better go find a new provider. They're actually pointing some of their customers to the Wayback Machine as a backup. Could you imagine your business continuity plan, including the Wayback Machine? The company has stated they are not willing to pay the ransom demanded by the attackers, but the company believes there hasn't been a data breach meaning that the data wasn't stolen before it was encrypted by the ransomware. This incident is terrifying and highlights the importance of off-site backups. Hosting providers are a juicy target for this sort of attack because with one successful attack, you pressure tons of customers to have that company pay the ransom to get their site back. In 2017, South Korean hosting provider Nayana was hit with a $1 million ransom for a similar attack. Even more recently, Rackspace got their entire email provider taken offline uh, due to ransomware. All I can say is worst case scenario as a business owner. Waking up and finding that your entire digital footprint was just wiped out, even though your service provider 
ensured you that they had backups. And to be fair, they did. They were just on the same network as Prod when it got attacked. Absolutely brutal. All right, this next one's really interesting. Although I don't think co-founder of Blockchain Capital, Bart Stevens, shares my nerdy intrigue. I think he's more focused on the $6.3 million in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies that he lost due to a SIM swap attack this week. If you're not familiar, a SIM swap attack, hackers manipulate the cellular network providers to gain control over victims' phone numbers. Many times, this allows them to reset passwords and bypass other security measures that rely on SMS or phone call verification. The FBI has previously warned about the rise of such SIM swapping attacks, especially targeting individuals with high cryptocurrency holdings. We've even talked about in past episodes of this show, the government and regulatory pressure against telecom companies due to the prevalence of SIM swapping attacks and their perceived ease in attacking major US corporations and infrastructure. SIM swaps typically rely on social engineering, the customer support operators at these cell phone network providers. You know what it's like, you call up the call center, you ask for help, they try to identify you, and if the attacker can get past some of those initial identity verification questions, the customer support operator gives them carte blanche. Once the hacker convinces the operator that they're you, they can assume control over your phone number. They're gonna use that to bypass all sorts of security verification tests needed to port a victim's phone number to a new SIM card and gain control of their phone. Telecom companies need to figure something else out here. It's currently way too easy to trick a telephone operator into handing over control of someone's phone number. And way too much in our lives rely around our ownership of our own phone number to verify our identities. This is way too easy for attackers. Back to this crypto hack, authorities are still looking into the matter. They don't know who's stole the $6.3 million yet. I keep reporting on cryptocurrency targets getting hit and SIM swapping is one of the most most popular ways to attack them. The lack of regulation around crypto means there's very little recourse for these victims to get their money back. Your Bitcoin is not FDIC insured, but if it's up to Elon, maybe your Dogecoin will be. Another day, another critical vulnerability. Today, it's Citrix's turn. Their file sharing application called ShareFile has a flaw in it that allows attackers to remotely compromise the storage zone controller without any authentication. Simply put, that means hackers don't need to log in and they can get access to your private files. The US Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, we've talked about them a lot, has emphasized the urgency of patching this flaw since evidence of its exploitation has already been found. This vuln poses a significant risk, especially since ShareFile is so widely used as a secure file sharing and transfer service. Sound familiar to anyone? We were just talking about MoveIt a few weeks ago and those data breaches were everywhere. While CISA isn't giving a whole lot of detail except telling us to patch, researchers over at Gray Noise, love you guys, said that they observed a huge spike in activity related to the flaw. They're also urging organizations to patch as soon as possible. A direct quote from this report, given the number of instances online and the reliability of the exploit, we have already seen a big impact from this vulnerability. Listen, if the government and gray noise are warning me to patch right now, I tend to listen. I think CISA knows a little bit more than they're letting on right now, and we're gonna be hearing about breaches related to ShareFile for weeks to come. Next up, everyone's favorite mega auto and energy company, Tesla. They experienced a significant data breach recently, where the personal data of almost 76,000 current and former employees was compromised. The breach was attributed to insider wrongdoing, and it was discovered that two former Tesla employees were responsible for misappropriating the data and sharing it with a foreign media outlet. While the media outlet has assured that they're not gonna publish any of the data they received, this leaves me scratching my head. Tesla has taken legal action against the two individuals. 
and is offering credit monitoring service to all the impacted employees. But since they're suing the employees and they have actually seized all of their computers, this makes me think that this misappropriation wasn't an accident. I'm just having a hard time figuring out the motive for two employees to just mail an employee PII database filled with social security numbers, addresses, names, emails, and all that to some random foreign media company. If it was some sort of insider info about what Tesla was up to and these employees sold it to a journalist as a lead, I get it. But just PII, I'm not understanding what's going on here. I don't think we have the whole story. Von you fam, I gotta ask, what do you think's going on here? Why would two employees just collude to give this information to a news outlet and as far as we know, nobody else? Let me know your best guess in the comments below. All right, here's a quick update on a story that we talked about recently. We covered the media discussing these teenage hackers a few weeks ago, and this week, law enforcement found one of them and courts held them responsible. An 18-year-old from Oxford, Arian Kurtaj, was identified as a key member of the cybercrime gang Lapsus. This gang has been responsible for a lot of high-profile attacks you've definitely heard of against major companies like Uber, Nvidia, and Rockstar Games. The Lapsus Group has utilized a lot of techniques that we've talked about even on this episode, including sim swap and social engineering to breach into these companies. This part's crazy. While on bail, Kurtage famously leaked unreleased content from Grand Theft Auto 6, continuing his hacking spree. Kurtage and another 17-year-old who cannot be named because of his age have been convicted for the involvement in all these hacking activities with the Lapsus Group. Government regulators are hot on this case because of the age of the attackers that they've identified. Many of them see this as evidence that our company's defenses are way too soft if they're being breached by such inexperienced young attackers. I'm curious to see how Lapsus responds to these two convictions and what we're gonna see from them in the next few weeks. Funnily enough, last week we talked about this little company, Discord.io, that got hacked and everyone thought that Discord got hacked, but it wasn't actually them. Well, this week, Discord filed with the state of Maine a breach notification impacting some of its users. But the even funnier part is that it only impacted 180 users. That's it, three digits. Not 180,000, not 180 million. I don't even know if they have that many users. 180. You are much more likely to have been impacted by the Discord IO breach, which impacted nearly 800,000 users than you are of this actual Discord breach that got disclosed this week. That's all for this week. Thank you so much. Like and subscribe, share this video. If you want cybersecurity news in around 10 minutes every week, this is the channel for you. Find the links in the description below of how to get in touch with me on Twitter or sign up for our newsletter. I love you all, have a good week.